Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to the last symptom of, well, previously called the last symptom of borderline personality disorder, but I've shortened it here recently. It's just the last symptom. So, I'm happy you're here. It's really nice to see you. And I'm glad to have such a wonderful audience that keeps growing all the time. My name is Brian Barnett. I'm the creator and host. Today we're going to be talking about uh, relationships. It's been a while. And the qualifications for relationships. But before we get into that, I need to tell you about my website, thelastsymptom.com. And uh, I've got a growing library of free resources there that everybody can take advantage of. I also offer some paid services on the site. For example, you can schedule one-on-one conversations with me right there at thelastsymptom.com. And uh, those paid conversations help support the work that I do. If you're just interested in leaving a donation, you're certainly welcome to do that too. And I'll tell you, that goes a long way in supporting my work and has helped me get here as far as I have. One important reminder is that I have a two-week course coming up in the first couple weeks of February. That is called The Last Symptom Fundamentals Live and Online Course. And if you run over to thelastsymptom.com, you can read a little bit more about it. Also, if you back up in the episodes of this podcast a bit, I dedicated, uh, I think, an entire show to the subject of this upcoming course. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in being a part of this, now is the time to sign up. We're only about two and a half weeks away at this point, so the clock is ticking. I'm certainly excited about it. I know that the, the classmates who are enrolled to attend are excited about it, and I think it's going to be a great old time. And I think those folks are going to walk away with some profound insights that they're going to continue to build on for years and years to come. So this is really a great opportunity. Uh, The first class, this first class coming up, was sort of scheduled with the American East Coast in mind. So the East Coast of the United States And the reason why I say that is because I scheduled it with that time zone in mind. So it's going to be from 6 o'clock p.m. to 10 p.m., Monday to Friday for two weeks, weekends off. And that's Eastern time. But, you know, if you're anywhere in the world and that time works for you, you know, we would love to have you there. Now, let's get into this conversation about relationship qualifications. Some people take what I've said about relationships to somewhat of an extreme, and they've sometimes exaggerated my message. Now, this 
don't only happen with the things I say about relationships. This happens pretty much with everything I say. Gets twisted and turned and misinterpreted in one way or another. You know, doing this work, (laughs) it's amazing to me still after, you know, going on two and a half years now, how precisely I can explain something. And at the end, a person will say, so what you're saying is this, and they will have entirely missed the point or entirely misinterpreted what I said. So that's an ongoing struggle for me to be able to think ahead and predict how people are going to hear some of the things I say and then preemptively address that before people can even have a chance to uh, take it to extremes or misinterpret it or whatever. For example, I have never necessarily told people that the only way to get better themselves is to break up with their emotionally unhealthy boyfriends and girlfriends and that they have to do it right now. Never said that. What I have said is that doing so is worth it and that it will make recovery for yourself infinitely easier because you're going to be able to focus on yourself and your recovery with the right motivations. You see, what happens is when you're in a relationship and you're thinking about, well, I'm going to marry this person or I want to be with this person forever, and you're, you're entertaining those ideas. You know, it's already an unhealthy relationship because I've, as I've explained in the past, if you're that messed up, emotionally speaking, I mean, if you're living with a disorder, the only person who's with you is somebody else who's emotionally unhealthy. The reality is that emotionally healthy people do not commit themselves to emotionally unhealthy people. When they're in a dating relationship and the emotionally healthy person begins noticing the emotional unhealth of the other person, they end that relationship. And usually, the emotionally healthy person never gets in that relationship in the first place because they observe these things or they sense these things ahead of time before there's any commitment at all. And they avoid that. The very act of a person choosing to get into a relationship with an emotionally unhealthy person, inherently, that is an emotionally unhealthy act. Emotionally healthy people do not purposely engage in unhealthy acts. So it's true. I've never necessarily told people that the only way to get better is to break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. I've also never said it has to happen right now. But I have said that it's worth doing that. And let me tell you why. Because I've also said that a person who genuinely makes headway in authentic recovery later on is going to look at that situation they're in and not have a desire to stay with a boyfriend or girlfriend that they're with. Or that they were with. Because you see, authentic recovery means that you're going to begin to see very clearly how that other person's not healthy himself or herself. And people, again, who are emotionally healthy don't purposely choose to commit themselves to relationships when it's obvious 
that this is only going to bring pain and dysfunction and drama to their future. Once again, the only people who make emotionally unhealthy decisions like this are emotionally unhealthy people. Now you're thinking, well, love conquers all. So if you love somebody, you would stay with them. But um, I think deep down you know that's bullshit. That's just Hollywood bullshit. Because I can love a person, but I would never do anything that would be a demonstration of great dislike or lack of love for myself. You see? Healthy people, first and foremost, love themselves. And not in a kind of narcissistic way in a way that they recognize that that's where it starts. I have to love myself. I have to take care of myself first and foremost. And this trumps any type of love or artificial love uh, or strong feelings that they might feel for another person. Emotionally healthy people do not choose to commit their lives to somebody because of some false notion of love. Because it's only going to bring pain and disorder to your life doing that. So do you see how the very, the very act of doing that is an emotionally unhealthy act? Emotionally healthy people don't do that. Emotionally healthy people don't make decisions for themselves that are going to make their lives miserable. They don't do it. Now, what is the purpose for being in a committed dating relationship in the first place? Have you ever thought about it? The purpose for being in a committed dating relationship in the first place is to measure the compatibility of the relationship so that then you can make an informed decision about whether to fully commit to a life with that person. So having a boyfriend or girlfriend isn't just a thing that's uh, decided by your feelings and that you do just for kicks. It has a greater purpose. And this greater purpose is to measure long-term compatibility so that you can then make an informed decision about whether to continue the relationship or end it. People in general don't seem to understand this. A committed dating relationship is not a final commitment. Having a girlfriend is not a life commitment. The whole purpose of it is to evaluate. It's an evaluation period for the consideration of a life commitment. So this is why I typically have different advice for those with girlfriends and boyfriends than I do for those with wives and husbands. You see, wives and husbands have already made the final commitment decision. You with the boyfriend, you have not. You're in an evaluation situation, in which case... It's very simple to end the relationship and focus on yourself for a couple of years. That's the whole purpose for you being in that situation at all. To evaluate and and make a decision. It's not a given that the decision is, yes, we're going to stay together. Just as likely the decision is, no, we're not compatible for each other. 
or we're not right for each other. This is only going to bring pain to us. In my personal case, while I was in my recovery, I refused to so much as get into a dating commitment. So what I mean is I dated casually, but I did not have girlfriends. I had a lot of girls over to my apartment, and I hung out with a lot of girls. But I did not have girlfriends. I did not allow myself to become somebody's boyfriend. Why not? Well, I had just come out of the most excruciatingly painful period of my life. I had just gone through a divorce with my, my wife, somebody that I had been with for 10 years. And I had just discovered that I was living with some kind of emotional disorder. So there was no way I was going to knowingly put myself in a situation knowing that my perspectives were unhealthy and that I could not trust my judgment in that period of time to not end up in that same painful situation again. I wasn't going to do that to myself. The last thing I was going to do was make big life and relationship decisions knowing that my perspectives, my form of thinking before had resulted in unbearable pain. I'm talking about unbearable pain. I was smart enough not to do that to myself again. Are you? So yes, I advise unmarried people very strongly that it's better to be single while trying to authentically recover. But I leave the decision about whether to break up with partners up to you. And I've never said that remaining in the relationship isn't a choice you have. But i got to be honest with you, too, and tell you that it's simply going to make authentic recovery much, much more difficult. Another thing I'd like to clarify about this is that some have made the dramatic decision of breaking up with their boyfriends and girlfriends pretty soon after hearing this advice from me. And in many cases, I feel like they've, they've followed through with this decision before they've ever truly had a deep, clear, solid understanding of what they were doing and why, and before they were firmly on the road to genuine recovery. So, <clears throat> do you remember at the beginning that I said that some people take what I say to an extreme? Hearing me talk on the radio and then making a decision the next day is pretty extreme. Nobody has to make huge life decisions overnight. I don't. It, this, there's not a, this isn't a race, you know. I've told you that recovery is going to take years. So why would you make a decision like that from one day to the next? You know, we, I've also talked to you about being reasonable. And I'm a reasonable person. Reasonable is healthy. So these big life decisions that are going to affect your life in dramatic ways, where you live, financial situations, children situations, stuff like this, even if you do make the decision to split up with somebody that you're with or to break off a relationship, this should be something that you only do once you fully understand why it's the best thing for you to do. Why would you do it before that? Why would you do it before you even understand the real solid reasons for doing it? And you're convinced that it's the best decision to make for yourself. 
So it's important for everybody to know that nobody has to make huge life decisions overnight. There's time to sit and really think through these things. Don't let me make decisions for your life. Don't be impatient to make huge decisions. And, you know, I tell you this, even remembering that I was that way, I I was willing to do anything on the spot. Dramatic things on the spot. But take your time. Don't be impatient to make huge life decisions. Take your time. Make sure you understand very thoroughly the reasons why the decision is the best decision before you follow through on them. Now, in the last couple of days, I got a message from somebody basically trying to blame some of the things in her unhealthy relationship and her decisions on me because she's one of these people who has exaggerated my message and has taken it to an extreme. I'm somehow responsible for her having made those decisions. (laughs) Nobody listens to this show without hearing the introduction, the same introduction week after week for going on two years now. So my question for people who feel as this woman does who wrote to me, is this. What part of you and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, decisions, and actions are you having trouble understanding? It's not that I'm just mostly not responsible for your decisions. It's that I'm not responsible for your decisions, period, So don't go writing me passive-aggressive messages accusing me of being responsible for the problems in your life. Your problems were already there, and they exist because you don't know what the hell you're doing. But you're constantly on the lookout for somebody to pin the blame on, right? So that you don't have to accept responsibility for your own life and decisions. If you truly understood some of the nuances of what I'm telling you and the reasoning behind it, and you made decisions in harmony with those nuances, your life would be better, not worse. But still, whatever decisions you make are your responsibility, not mine. Even when they're based on what you've heard me say, or based on what you might think I'm saying, They're still your responsibility and not mine. So maybe we'll do a whole show on responsibility, on how everything that's wrong and good in your life, you're responsible for nobody else. On how every decision you've ever made, even if you made it because you were listening to somebody else, you're responsible for having made that decision, not who you were listening to. Because nobody else can make your decisions for you. And nobody else can make your decisions for you, making sure that you understand thoroughly the reasons why you're making them. Only you can do that. The the disclaimer at the beginning of the show is not just a legal disclaimer. You know, if you just listen through it and you just discredit it all because you think I'm just trying to cover my butt, you're wrong. Everything I say in that disclaimer 
is based on emotionally healthy thinking, the reality that you live in. And, you know, if, if you've just been breezing by it, thinking that it means nothing, that it's just some legal mumbo-jumbo, maybe you should spend a day, jot it down, word for word, and think about the implications of it. You and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, decisions, actions, and everything that happens in your life. Everything you do or don't do, you are responsible for, not me. It doesn't matter what I've said. It doesn't matter what anybody on TV has said. You're still responsible. Even if the most famous psychologist in the whole world, which I'm just making up a fictional psychologist, but let's say the most famous psychologist in the whole world says, Brian Barnett, what you should do is this, and I go out and do it. He's not responsible for that. I am. I didn't have to do it. He couldn't make me do it. But back to relationships, I don't give the same advice to married people that I give to people who are dating or who have simply been living together for a couple years. Married people have already made a commitment and sometimes already have 20, 30, 40, 50 years invested with the other person, as well as children and mortgages and so forth. So in the interest of genuinely escaping emotional unhealth, separation or divorce if truly necessary for you to achieve emotional health, should be a serious consideration if it comes down to it. Because nothing else matters than escaping emotional unhealth, in my opinion, even if it means separation or divorce. Also, no person should choose to stay in an emotionally abusive relationship because it's not better than or less serious than a physically abusive relationship. And if anybody appreciates that, then they see why that might be necessary in some cases. Separation and divorce might also become necessary, you know, when we're talking about married people. When we get into boundaries and the decisions and behaviors of the other persons, because, you know, they have free will and they can live however they want. And we have to make concrete decisions for ourselves sometimes about what we're willing to have in our lives and what we're not willing to have in our lives. And you see how if a person has been married for 20 years, and let's say that they've lived with borderline personality disorder this whole, their whole life, and they're just now becoming aware that they're dealing with this, and they're trying to escape it, and now they start to see and appreciate things that they never saw and appreciated before. And they come to realize that they're in this relationship where the other person is also very unhealthy and is affecting you negatively. In other words, it's affecting your ability to work these things out and escape emotional health, uh, emotional unhealth for yourself. Well, then the reality is that the other person has free will and can live however they want. And because they've been married to you for 20 years, they're probably pretty comfortable with their way of doing things. So in this case, since they do have free will and we can't you know, make their decisions for them, we can't live their individual life for them, we sometimes have to make concrete decisions for ourselves about what we're willing to continue having in our lives and what we're not willing to have in our lives. 
if another person's using their free will to make decisions and engage in behaviors or uh, act in ways that are uh, simply bringing disorder and unhappiness to us, and that other person doesn't seem willing to change or learn the same things that you've now been learning, and they don't seem to want to make different, healthier decisions for themselves, then divorce or separation should definitely be on the table. As I said before, nothing is more important than achieving genuine emotional health because you're never going to be content unless you do. Remember what I said in the past that the only rich man that you'll ever meet who's genuinely happy is somebody who was already genuinely happy when he was poor because genuine contentment comes from within, not from external things. So this is true in a situation uh, where you're in an unhealthy marriage, too. And in a marriage that, uh, you know, has been supporting these emotionally unhealthy perspectives, it may be heartbreaking to leave that situation. But in the long run, it's going to lead you, it could lead you to genuine contentment and emotional health. So this brings me to qualifications, the qualifications for relationships. This doesn't only apply to romantic relationships. This applies to all relationships. My qualification for who gets to be in my life is very simple. And it applies to partners, relatives, friends, and everybody. And here's how it goes. A person must contribute more greatly to my peace and wellness than they contribute to disorder and unhealth. Now, notice what I have not said. I have not said that people need to be perfect or that they only can be healthy or that they must only contribute happiness and peace and wellness to my life. No, I never said that. What I said was that a person must contribute more greatly to my peace and wellness than they contribute to disorder and unhealth. So I don't expect anybody to be perfect. I myself would not pass such a test. But if we imagine people like scales, they must more greatly be leaning on the side of peace and wellness than they are on the side of disorder and unhealth. That's it. Isn't that such a simple condition? Anybody who contributes more disruption and unhealth than they do peace, harmony, and health they got to go. It's the only way we get to enjoy peaceful, harmonious, healthy lives ourselves. Do you see? You can't allow everybody and all sorts of attitudes and thinking into your, into your life and think that you're going to somehow enjoy calmness and peace and health as a rule. Whatever sorts of people we allow in, bringing in whatever sorts of emotional health or unhealth or thinking or perspectives or attitudes, that's what our lives are going to look like too. And since we have no rights, responsibility, or authority over any other person's lives, the only practical solution is to have qualifications in place like the one I just mentioned that I have in place in my life, for who we will allow to be a part of our lives. And whenever a person does not meet these qualifications, 
we unfortunately have to decline to allow them in. Once I myself decided on th- that this would be the qualification for who I would allow into my life, new, or who I would continue allowing to be a part of my life, once I created this qualification, my life got much, much better. But I had to apply it firmly to relatives, aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, and parents. As you know, if you've listened to this show in the past. So, the same thing applies to relationships with the opposite sex or, you know, whatever your leanings are, uh, your romantic leanings. The same thing applies in romantic uh, involvement and uh, commitments. They have to bring harmony and balance and peace and contentment. More of that than they do the drama, the disordered thinking, the contention, the negativity. You see? If you're only surrounded by people who are mostly positive, emotionally healthy, content, living in harmony with the laws of the universe, then you're going to, that's what your life is going to look like too. So that's the show for today. I'm making a real concerted effort to keep these shows under a certain amount of time. Hope you enjoy that. And, uh, you know, uh, I probably start, I probably sound like a broken record when I tell you about thelastsymptom.com if you've been listening for a while, but I have to do it because uh, it's the donations, it's the one-on-one conversations that people uh, reimburse my time for that allows me to continue doing this work. So, even though I sound like a broken record, I appreciate you tolerating that while I mention it again. Thelastsymptom.com, run over there, uh, not just to throw money at me, but also to take advantage of the many articles, the links, uh, this weekly podcast, my Facebook education group. These are all resources that I've created for people to help them get, get better. And one last reminder about the last symptom, Fundamentals Live and Online course that's coming up in February. Uh, it's really going to be a spectacular thing, I, I think. I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I think that people are really going to benefit. For all you wondering, the service that I'm going to use to do this course will be Zoom. So if, you, if you're already enrolled in the course and you're not familiar with Zoom, which is a video conferencing service, download that or look that up, get comfortable with it before you know the, the class approaches. Uh, I'm doing the same. This is going to be the first time that I've ever used Zoom, and uh, I want to be able to present slides and that sort of thing as I'm using this in the class. So, you know, I'm trying to get familiar with it quickly before the date approaches. Also, if you're already enrolled in the class, make sure that you come to class prepared to take notes. That's going to be important, and hopefully these are going to be notes that you refer back to for many years and that you'll find very, uh, very helpful in your efforts. We've come now to the encouraging finale. When I was a kid growing up in the Appalachian foothills, a lot of our friends lived so far away. When they would come, they wouldn't just come for a day. They would end up spending the week or maybe just the weekend with us. 
one group of friends that we had, they came to stay with us this exact same time of year. There was about four feet of snow, and the temperatures were like in the 20s, Fahrenheit. And down over the hill was a pond that we called Nola's Pond. And it was back in the woods, and my friend said, hey, what about that pond that we were fishing in when we were here this past summer? I said, well, it's going down there. And there was snow everywhere. Somebody got the bright idea that we should all skinny dip in this water. For some reason, we just thought this was a grand old idea, and we all stripped down, completely buck naked. the bank and spoosh into the water he went. I looked at my brother Ben and he looked at me and we shrugged and off we went, jumped off that bank and time stopped. As soon as the tip of my naked toe touched the water, I was already clawing at the air. The only thought in my head was getting out. Of course, we got back to the shore, got our dry clothes on. (laughs) Young boys growing up in the country, it's amazing that we ever survive to be 44-year-old men like I am now. (laughs) 